Hello, welcome to Retrospection, where we take an old show or film and see if we should let it be cancelled or given a new lease of life in a spin-off. Today we're looking at the first episode of the British action series Cat's Eyes that ran from 1985 to 1987. My name's Colin, and you would like a sheepskin rug if it was blonde. And I'm Paul, and a chambermaid? I usually do hookers. The only disbelieving bit about that is that you were a chambermaid. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot you don't know about me. That's true. Yeah, but we're finding it out slowly, episode by episode. Mm-hmm. Cat's Eyes, according to IMDb, is about an old female detective outfit, the Eyes Inquiry Agency, and is formed as a front for the Home Office's new security operation, the Covert Activities Thames Section, or Cats, for short. Initially led by ex-Oxford Union President Prue Standfast, she is followed by experienced ex-cop Maggie Forbes, who later leads the section, and computer genius Frederica Fred Smith. The contact with the Ministry is Nigel Beaumont, and the team deals with a variety of crime from theft to blackmail to espionage and terrorism. Yeah, um, you don't get many detective shows set in Kent, do you? No, that's true, yeah, and not many that would actually point that out and have it in yeah. the title. Yeah, so I kind of that kind of won me over to start with, I kind of like that. Oh, you're a big fan of Kent? No, it's just the fact that they're using somewhere that, that doesn't normally get a mention in anything, does it? Right, it's not New York, exactly. it's not London. Yeah, it's not, it's, not a, it's not one of the big places, is it, that you would normally see? Right. It stars Jill Gascoigne as Maggie Forbes, Leslie Ash as Fred Smith, Rosalind Landor as Prue Standfast, and Don Warrington as Nigel Beaumont. So, Rosalind Landor is only in the first series, and a new character is brought in for series two and three. This is Tessa Robinson, played by Tracy Louise Ward. Mm-hmm. The theme music for the first series is by John Congos, or Congos, I'm not sure how he pronounces it, and was released as a single. Uh, have you heard this single? Yes, trust me, we'll all be hearing the single. <laughs> Alright, okay, okay. I like it. I actually do like it. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's of its time, isn't it? Oh yeah, but it's catchy. Yeah, definitely catchy. Yeah. Yeah. Series yeah. 2 and 3 had a theme tune by Barbara Thompson. Personally, I prefer the first one. There's nothing wrong with the second mm-hmm. and third one. I just prefer the first. Mm-hmm. Now, the show was created by Terence Feely. Is that a name you know? It sounds familiar. Why do I know that name? Ah, okay. Well, he also created The Gentle Touch, and I'll go into that in right. a bit, more in a second. But he also mm-hmm. wrote one or more episodes for Bergerac, Shoestring, Return of the Saint, Robin's Nest, The New Avengers, Space 1999, The Protectors, The Persuaders, UFO, The Saint, The Avengers, and The Prisoner. And he also has a credit on a few episodes of Callan as series devised by. So he's definitely in our wheelhouse, isn't he? Personally, I never heard of him before, but he's a guy who really we should have heard of. He sounds like he was constantly working. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder what that's like. Yeah. Those credits lend him well to this, I think, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. Um, 
But going back to the gentle touch, Jill Gascoigne's character, Maggie Farbs, is from that series. And this is a spin-off from mm-hmm. that show. But that it's kind of odd because they're very different programs. Yeah, and coming from someone who's just um, watched this episode, I, I mean, I've seen, I have seen it, but a long, long time ago. And, and so I didn't remember right. much about it. So I, I came at this kind of fresh. She's not really... It's more of an ensemble. Considering this is a spin-off for her character, she's not really a main character in it, is she? Or does that change? No. And in the pilot, she doesn't really appear until, like, halfway through? Yeah, it's about 40 minutes in, I think, when she yeah, turns up. Like yeah, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also because The Gentle Touch is a, is a more serious police drama, at least in the early days from the ones I've watched, which mm-hmm. deals with her being the first inspector, female inspector in the department and yeah. the death of her husband and raising a kid while being a police officer. And it deals with all that kind of stuff. And then this is more like the professionals. Yeah, and there's also a little bit in this episode in particular, there's a little bit of almost carry-on thrown in, I thought. Yeah, so it's... it's it's a, it's a weird spin-off, but, yeah. you know, it's not like we've never seen weird spin-offs before, like Happy Days spun off into Mark and Mindy, so... Yeah. But both of those were comedies, whereas this is too... I don't know, it's just odd. You didn't get... you And you didn't usually get many spin-offs on British TV, did you? No, that's true. Mm-hmm. I don't remember many of us. Not at all, no. And, and and for them to be such a strange shift in tone would, was even more uncommon for British television, I think, because they they it, if if there ever was a spin-off for anything British, I would imagine it would they they would keep the tone the same. Yeah. So other than the fact that Terence Feely was involved in both of them, I can't think why they bothered keeping her character as the same. Maybe because she was so she was popular. Yeah, maybe, but because in the first episode they have to jettison everything that she was familiar with. So she actually says in the episode, "Oh, my son's gone to Australia." Yes, and and she doesn't even know what she's been training for, does she? Right. She thinks she's she's going to get a job in special branch, doesn't she? Yeah. So it's an odd decision. But it worked because this was this was a, a a a real ratings winner, wasn't it? I mean, it was regularly apparently in the top twenty for each week on television. Yeah, uh, the show changed slightly after the first series. They dropped the detective agency cover ideas, and the stories focused on spies, espionage, and terrorism. That that would be interesting going forward because those were the elements that I find the most interesting in this. Probably because that's that's kind of what we're into, isn't it? But um, we, we, we like a good spy story. Yeah, which is the opposite of the Equalizer one that we watched in the previous episode. Yes, yes. I, because I, I think the difference is because in the Equalizer, he's trying to... We've got a character that, that that's a little bit older and that he's trying to push back against all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, th- I think the detective angle was there just to give them an A and B plot, which is the same as the Equalizer. Yeah, I, I, 
in this episode in particular that we're going to talk about it, it there's a weird tonal shift that happens quite a lot all the way through it between the spy stuff and between the 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 what you would call maybe i don't know the detective story of the week that's going on and the way that they cross over in a very sort of british almost um sex comedy way yeah so the music changed as we discussed previously and the character of tessa robertson was introduced in the later series as rosalind lando didn't return after the first series no she's the actress that plays prue isn't she yeah she only did one series and then it, a new actor was brought in and a new character okay that's interesting because i haven't seen that yet obviously i've only watched this episode um but i really liked prue did you? i did don't look at me like that i i really enjoyed the character i thought i thought i, I almost thought that there was something kind of the way that she she's very um i mean they're all very strong but she she's she's very emma peelish i thought yeah my only problem with it was that it kind of stole away from Don Warrington's character. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, as I said, I've only... Because they both play from the same kind of origins. Yeah, they're both very upper class. Uh, yeah, yes. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, d- does he get more to do as the show progresses? Obviously, you're someone that's seen it more than I have. Um, Not that much. He's still focused on the three women but here and there he 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 has involvement yeah uh, is the new character drastically different from prue then she's not the upper class person she's more like action oriented right okay okay special effects supervisor for this first series is merc meddings oh possibly related is he i i tried to look i haven't found out yet but i think so okay all right all right He's, uh, there's not many models in this. Well, there's a couple. <laughs> oh, could, could be models. Very good, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're very yeah, realistic yeah. as well. No, but it, it's physical. Like explosions yes. and things like mm-hmm. that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this show isn't available on DVD. In, in fact, I don't think it's available in any kind of media. I mean, you can find it on uh, YouTube. <laughs> what was that? You got a cough? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think you need, yeah. I think you need I, to self-isolate, it's bit, Colin. Do I? Do I? Yeah, it's a bit... <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> uh, the reason is because nobody is sure who actually owns the rights and nobody wants to spend the money to find out. I see. Okay. This was a TVS show, Television South. Mm-hmm. And TVS was part of the ITV network like Granada, Grampian, Yorkshire, Tyne Tees, etc. And in the early 90s, these companies had to reapply and bid for the franchise. Some vanished, some merged, and TVS was bought out by Meriden, so it's all very confusing about who actually controls the show. It, it's um, It's got to be something that can turn up on network at some point. I mean, network as in the... the, the, the DVD, DVD, Blu-ray yeah, people. Yeah. yeah, you would hope mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah. I think it deserves it to be. Um, 
And, and Yellow Thread Street also suffers this problem because people think that it's owned by a Hong Kong company now. That was a show that came out in the 90s that disappeared. I think we're probably the only two people that remember Yellow Thread Street, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just keeping it going. Just like raising yeah, the flag. Yeah, keep that torch burning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So do you have anything else about Cat's Eyes? No, I think, we, I think you've covered everything there. So we begin with a very 80s opening sequence with three different colored blocks moving around pathways created by the name of the show. These are then broken in the middle with footage of each character within the show. Interesting, we first see Jill Gascoigne. Even though she doesn't turn up for about 40 minutes, as we said. Yeah. Then we get a text of her name. And then we get Leslie Ash, Rosalind Landor. And then it says in, and the show's name is formed. We then get footage of Leslie, then Rosalind. And finally, we get footage of Don Warrington. He's the only person to have his name over his footage. Is he really? I didn't notice that. Yes. (laughs) My notes did say this is possibly the most 80s opening credits I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, not just from visually, but also orally as well. Yeah, and it kind of looks like it was put together using uh, a BBC Acorn computer as well, doesn't it? Oh, look at you with your little 8-bit computer knowledge. Nice. <laughs> Are you impressed? It does, though, doesn't it? I am. It does. Yeah, either, it's, not, e- it's not great. Either that or CFAX. <laughs> it, <laughs> no, it's better, it's better than CFAX. <laughs> I wouldn't be that, that low on it. But, yeah, it's not... Um, it doesn't conjure up... The idea of the show, if you think about like the professionals of the Sweeney and how they did it, this lacks a certain something. I, I'm sure that people at the time didn't actually think about it. But the weird thing is that when you watch it now, it, it, it takes you back. It makes you feel like you really are in the 80s. Yeah, I can't remember me watching it when I first saw it and thinking, oh, these credits are not acceptable. <laughs> Exactly. You probably. I mean, I don't think in in those days people even cared about credits, did they? Did you never care about credits? Actually, that is a lie. Yeah. You you talk about yeah. You talk about things like the A Team or or Knight Rider or anything like that. All those ones, Buck Rogers, things we've covered in the past. Yeah, the credits are important. But what was it? I don't think I could. Or the audio. I think it was the both together. When I was a kid. I used to record the theme tunes of TV shows onto tape. My dad so once asked me, like, why why do you do this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, because yeah, I Yeah, like I did it. that as well. Yeah, yeah. Luckily now we've got we've got Spotify, so Yes. Yeah, yeah. Of which of which we've got a, a playlist. Feel free to dip in anyone. Uh, hopefully to. the cat size theme tune will be on it. I'm sure it will make an appearance, Okay, yes. good. So then we go to the episode title, Goodbye Jenny Wren, and it's written by Terence Feely. And we open on Fred and Prue driving quickly. They're on their way to perform a repossession order on a guy's car. Fred asks Prue if she needs backup, but she's confident she can handle it. It's a long time since I had a good workout. Fred reminds her that the motor car company said the guy had a record for her. GBH. Did you have to say it like that? Why, why, how do you want me to say it? 
Not like that. Not like that. Okay, I'll do it a different way. Fred reminds her that the motor car company said the guy had a record for GBH. That's better. Okay. Prue Pru, Pru oh. reveals that she... Well, that depends where you are. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is very true, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Some of those clubs you've been in. We, we don't talk about those clubs. Okay. We, 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 we specifically said when we started the podcast years ago, we weren't going to talk about those clubs anymore. Oh, did we? I don't remember that rider that you uh, insisted on. That and the M&Ms <laughs> and the beer. You need you need to look into your contract. I guess so. All right. Yeah. Page fifty-seven. It's it's funny because I thought I was the new one who took a con- contract out on you. <laughs> it didn't take though, did it? No, it didn't. Still here. Yeah. I couldn't even say contract. <laughs> it it did come out. I was worried what you what you were gonna say. <laughs> I had to say that. <laughs> yes, but it, it, yeah, got we're all right. Carry on. Yes. Very good. Prue reveals that she took martial arts at Oxford. So, and this is what I wanted to point out earlier. So, Fred's character is played here as being junior to Prue. Like, she's That's much right. younger. Mm-hmm. But, in fact, Leslie Ash is only two years younger than Lando. But I think that the way that, that um, the, the actress that plays Prue plays it, she plays it a lot older, doesn't she? She comes across as a lot more worldly right and this changes in the second series when we lose prue they give leslie ash more work to do and make her character actually relevant to her age oh right okay yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i never know i never i never even thought about that because to me watching this one episode leslie ash's character does feel younger than everyone else yeah but that that's just that's just the way she's playing it. I mean, she's obviously everyone's younger than Jill Gascoigne, but yeah, that's just the mm-hmm. way that Leslie Ash is playing. Also, Leslie Ash guest. Well, I don't think she guessed her, but she appeared in an episode of The Gentle Touch as a different character. Yes, right. Okay, yeah. that that happened a lot though, didn't it? I mean, look at Doctor Who. They had. I mean, Colin Baker was in was in a um, Peter Davison story, wasn't he? That's true. There's only so many actors. But I wondered whether Terence Feely had seen her in The Gentle Touch and I was like, oh, she'd be good in this. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. possibly. Yeah. Fred tells Prue to be careful as Prue gets out of the car and then drives away. Now we cut to a Russian ship heading towards a harbour. On the land, two men are watching. It's revealed that somebody reported to see an explosion on the ship, but... What kind of explosion could a fishing trawler have? The older man mocks the idea that this is really a fishing trawler. Hmm, what is it? Enjoy that, Paul. A little bit of a uh, little bit of mystery for you there. <laughs> is that what you were doing? All right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Prue is opening the sports car that she's repossessing. The owner comes out and stops her, but she uses karate and throws him onto the road. She chucks her business card onto him, gets into the car, and drives away. He was going to come out and just give her a slap, wasn't he? Yeah, but he didn't get it. He got slapped. Yes, and so we know where we're standing with this. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure we're going to talk about this at some point as we go on through the, the episode, but it's very progressive, this, isn't it? It's very ahead of its time. Yes, in certain areas. Okay. All right. Have you got something to say about that later? Yeah, but actually, 
The areas that it's not progressive in are not relevant to the pilot episode, interestingly enough. Okay. All right. Well, so maybe I can I only speak for, I can only speak for what I've seen in this. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Back at the cat's eyes detective agency, a man called Mr. Mortimer is waiting outside. Fred pulls up. He tells her he can't go in because it's locked, which Fred finds strange. Where's Jenny, she wonders. We cut to a woman on a jet ski heading towards a Russian trawler. The men watching wonder what the hell she came from and what is she doing? She moves alongside the ship and then speeds away. The skipper in the harbour wants her. I was just going to say, a jet ski was probably futuristic on TV in 1985, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm trying. Actually, when you said that, I'm trying to think which Bond film introduced a jet ski in. It was The Spy Who Loved Me. That's 80s, right? That's 77, actually. Seriously? Yeah. Hey, yeah. Well, well uh, you know what we'll do? Let's cut me saying it was the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's Roger Moore in the 70s? It's weird, because yeah. I'm thinking more for your eyes only. No, it was um, 1977, Spiral Love Me, because Moonraker was 79. Yes, nah, that's interesting. I guess still, though, it was... Well, not not futuristic, but it was something very few people owned. I mean, who owned a jet ski in the UK? Exactly. I mean, who, who in the UK had probably even seen a jet ski outside of that Bond movie? Yeah, probably just bullseye winners. Yes. <laughs> and they had to take it home to Bradford. Yeah. And then yeah. just drive it up the motorway. Yeah. Well, yeah. scrape it up the motorway. Scrape probably. it, yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah. So she moves alongside the ship and speeds away. The skipper in the harbour wants her arrested. Back at Cat's Eyes. And I'm going to use Cat's Eyes as a name for the HQ that they're in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fred is telling Mr. Mortimer that they found his daughter, that she is living in a squat. He wants her brought back, but Fred says his daughter doesn't want to. Mortimer says the reason he brought them in was to bring her back. Fred replies that the reason Mortimer came to them was he didn't want the old Bill brought in. And because you're women, he says. This doesn't impress Fred. Even women can't pull miracles. Yeah. I suppose that he's speaking from a very male 1980s perspective though isn't he yeah he assumes that the actually i'm not not really sure what he assumes that women would expect the girl to go back to the further yeah i guess so that, that was what i took from it yeah yeah hmm. strange but all right Marta asks what his daughter said. Fred says his daughter said he should see a taxidermist. Yeah. I like that line because obviously what his daughter said is get stuffed. Yeah, there's a lot of good lines like that in this, I noticed. It, it, it's a surprisingly well-written show from what you think it's it, going to be like. It, it is, particularly for a, an ITV show. Mm. And you know what I mean well, by well, that, well, don't well, you? No, I don't. How, what do you mean by that, Paul? 
A lot of well, our favorite uh, shows from this period are ITV shows. Dempsey and Makepeace, The Professionals, <laughs> The Sweeney. Are you talking about ITV as it is now? No, back then. I, 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 always, felt, I always felt that ITV's shows were very... Um, were a lot more um, down and dirty than what the BBC stuff was. It, it always seemed a bit more slapdash. Let, let me ask you a question. It's a genuine question. When you think of the period from the Sweeney to, I guess, Dempsey and Makepeace, they're all ITV shows. What the hell was going on with the BBC at this point? Well, they were they were busy into the costume dramas, obviously, weren't they? Like, I don't remember watching anything on BBC. Now, I don't watch anything on ITV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I, they tried at one point with Target that didn't last that long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing. Like, it was pure ITV at this point. They couldn't do... Uh, the BBC in the 80s didn't seem to be able to pull off sort of cop shows there must have been like a crew at ITV it's not just Thames because this is TVS that mm-hmm. could really do these handheld film like cop shows yeah yeah that the BBC just couldn't pull off but the, as I said they they the BBC has always been known for their costume dramas haven't they hmm so maybe the ITV sort of jumped on that as if to say that we, we're we going to do the complete opposite of what the BBC are doing. We're going to do something that's very modern and very gritty and very of now. It's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. How it's changed around and yeah, how it moves. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Not sure where um, things like Blake 7 and Doctor Who fit into all that, but... But even those were still, like, studio-based videotaped yes. shows they weren't 16 millimeter film i think yeah exactly you you just nailed exactly what i was trying to get to is the fact that the bbc stuff was always very studio bound wasn't it and it felt very studio bound the way it was shot whereas itv was always shot on you think of things like robin of sherwood in the 80s mm, yeah. e- even the even the 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 interior shots were on location. Right. And shot on film. Whereas the BBC stuff, they they would have their location stuff and they, they would cut to BBC Studio Land, as I like to call it. And it felt very BBC Studio Land as well. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why that was. I don't know. It was like we, we need to get somebody in who worked for BBC at that period, we can ask them. Yes. Yes, I'll work on that. Be interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Prue enters as Mortimer asks her for her dress. Fred gives it to him. As Mortimer leaves, Fred tells him how much he owes them and holds out her hand, but Prue interjects that they will invoice him. Mortimer leaves and Fred says to Prue, when will you learn that cash in the hand is worth two checks in the post? Cash in your hot little hand, Frederica, darling, tends to evaporate like snow on a stove. Besides which, we are not running a stall in the market. It's good dialogue. Yeah. Uh, we get the difference. We're, we're assuming that Fred is working class mm-hmm. and Prue is not. Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
Fred says that's the problem with having all that education. You don't learn nothing. It's the way she says it as well, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Prue blows her a kiss and says, in Latin, "Adiet amo." Yeah, you don't get very uh, many Greek philosopher jokes on television these days, do you? No, and it means. You tell me, Colin. You've obviously. Uh... I hate and I love. Sums you up. Yeah, it does. Fred replies, who recorded that one then? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Leslie Ash is stealing our jokes, Paul. <laughs> I liked it, though. It was funny. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was. Prue reveals that the repossession went okay. Bit of aggro, mm -hmm. but it was all over quickly. Now we cut to a red car pulling up at the agency. This is Jenny Wren. Mm -hmm. It's the woman we saw on the jet ski going past the Russian trawler earlier. She enters the office. Prue asks her how it went. But before we get her answer, we cut to Nigel Beaumont entering a man's office. The man asks Nigel to sit down. Now, this seems to be Nigel's boss. Mm -hmm. The man informs Nigel about the Russian surveillance ship in the harbour, but Nigel... He already knows about it. His boss reminds Nigel that if he intends to be a high flyer in this office, he should let his boss have, you know, the occasional surprise. You do quite often surprise me, sir, sir replies Nigel. He's so sort of smug and suave and kind of um, uh, reminds me of you. Is that a compliment? Yeah, let's take it as one. Thank you. <laughs> um, I love Don Warrington in this show. Yeah, he's fantastic. We should say what what um, the the other big role that that he's um, probably most famous for is um, Rising Damp. Completely different. Yeah, you know? yeah. But in this, I I think he 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 kind of pulls the show together. Like to me, he's brilliant. In this he is. Show. He's, he, he's really good. But we say that he's different in Rising Damp. But is he really thinking about it? Because he is kind of in Rising Damp. He is the one who's um, he's the one that's that's switched on. He's the one that 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 has all the answers and has all the witty comebacks. This gets us into an area of complexity with British TV at this point in time in that he is a black yes. actor, but he's always seemed to play a character who is well-educated, well-spoken, mm -hmm. knows everything that's going yeah. on, especially in this show. Do you think that, that his role in Rising Damp... The, the the you know the producers of, of Cat's Eyes looked at that and thought that this is this, this is the guy they, they, you know they, in a way he was kind of typecast. It's yeah, I guess it's interesting because this goes back to what you're saying about here is a show that has three women as its lead characters and has a black actor as the controller of those mm -hmm. three mm -hmm. characters, which. Is progressive for that time, but then the show also later has lines that are really not progressive. Right, okay. Do you think that was a pushback? Maybe. There's lines that even he says in other episodes. Right. And so this show lets itself down at those points when everywhere else it's really pushed quite hard. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And I, I, 
I've, I've seen interviews with him where he, he never felt that anything in things like Rising Damp was racist because it was always it was always turned back on the other character. I can understand that for Rising Damp. I'm curious to hear what he thought of some other stuff he had to do in Cat's Eye, some of the lines he mm-hmm. delivered, whether he thought it was yeah. acceptable. Yeah, that would be interesting to find out. So his boss continues. This is in your Ballywick. I like the word Ballywick. Yes, don't hear it very much anymore. No. I might start using it. Just at you. All right. So you can set the wheels in motion. Nigel reveals that he's already started. His boss points out that if the Russians catch him at it, he will disown him. I may even be obliged to stab you in the back. Nigel doesn't seem phased by this. That's all right, sir. Anything to help. Poor old British steel. This scene reminds me of Callan. Yes. Yes, it is very Callan-esque. The man tells his secretary not to take this meeting down. As she says, she hasn't done so. Yeah, there's one thing that gets a man down. It's been surrounded by total competence. <laughs> Do you have that problem, Colin? Let's move on. <laughs> okay. He sends Nigel away, but calls his secretary back and tells her to keep her weekend free as they may need to go down. So so he's giving his secretary, Caroline, a good uh, amount of training, obviously. He's monitoring her progress. I'm sure he is, very closely. There's a lot of that in this episode. Yeah, and I, I, I've got something to say about that. And I'll, oh, I'll do leave, you? I'll, I'll, yes, I'll leave it for oh, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll leave it for yeah, later. Yeah. That's, your, that's your woke speech, is it? No, no, no. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> of course, sir, she says. As Colin spills drink all over his shorts. Is it cold? A little chilly, but not on the willy. That's my catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> of course, sir, says the secretary. Now, she seems kind of okay about the situation. They all do, don't they? Yeah. Mm. I mean, we could argue that... Yeah, we could argue about that, but I guess we won't. We might do... <laughs> we, no, we might do later. Oh, okay. When I give you my opinions that I mentioned earlier that I'm going to give you later, so... All right. All right. Back at the eyes agency, Fred wants to know why they all can't go down and take a butcher's. Now, Fred, Leslie Ash, she uses a lot of, like, East End language yeah. right mm-hmm. nah. Prue reminds her that somebody has to stay to meet the new recruit what a woman from the filth <laughs> so Fred and Jenny don't particularly want Forbes do they no they feel that they uh, they need her more than want her yeah mm-hmm. uh, Fred says they've proved themselves but Prue reminds her that the women and people are just waiting for them to screw up Jenny says the old boys' brigade can't say anything as their unit was set up by number 10. Mm-hmm. So they're a government agency. Mm-hmm. Prue says they can't wait for a slip, then pounce. That's the Whitehall way. But Jenny doesn't want a wooden top joining, which was slang for the police yeah. at that time. Mm-hmm. Prue says she asks for Inspector Forbes to give them gravitas and if they're to continue to have a cover of a private detective agency which they will drop after this series by the way people will expect a copper or two to be hanging around 
That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Because every 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 time you have a private eye, they're usually an ex copper, right? Yeah. Someone of um, someone of uh, of authority, past authority. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Or at least has that kind of training. Mm-hmm. We cut to Nigel in the back of his Daimler speeding along a motorway, followed by a Porsche. A police car sees a speeding Daimler and follows. Nigel's chauffeur draws his attention to this. Nigel picks up the phone and puts a call to the police. I'm the naughty Daimler you're just about to pounce on. I have Q clearance on the Southeast Link Code 6. Get Ivan off my tail. He's the black Porsche behind me. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's Mr. Cool, right? It, it, it's very... Um, we, we love all this kind of spy stuff, don't we? And this kind of... Um, uh, espionage playing against each other. You know, the, the games that they play with each other. We love all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I also think that Warrington delivers it with like a like a kind of a smirk, as if like this is nonsense, but let's go with it. Yeah, kind of attitude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of like Roger Moore did in the James Bond films. Oh, well, without the 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 misogyny. You don't think Don Warrington is misogynist? Not really. No. Okay. All right. I was going to say because that was confusing because. I don't remember Don Warrington going a woman. <laughs> That's what I mean. Uh, in fact, in okay. fact, there's 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 a great moment later um, that he has, um, which is probably the truest moment for the character, I think. Okay. Well, I'll look forward to that. Nigel tells his chauffeur to put his foot down, and the police pull over the Porsche. And uh, it, and this is like something else we've encountered before, where even like the little characters have nice lines because this police officer says, "Ah, seems you have your heat shields up." Yeah, and they reoccur a couple of times throughout this. Episode, they do, they? yeah. yeah. It, it, it never goes yeah. anywhere either. It's just they're just there. They just got actual decent lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, this Russian says, uh, "Oh, you didn't pull this guy over." He must be a friend, and then the copper says, "No friends on the motorway, sir. Just us and them." Mm-hmm. But this Russian has diplomatic immunity. They all did. All Russians? Yes, every single one in the eighties had diplomatic immunity. That's right. Yes. So they couldn't every- be arrested for anything. Yes, right. That's what you're that's saying. That's what you are saying, Paul. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. All right. Trying to make that clear. Okay. I don't think we've got many listeners in Russia, have we? I don't think we have yet, no. 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 We'll, maybe we'll break in with this one. Yeah, it keeps saying Russia enough. Maybe yeah, it'll Russia. be picked yeah. up on those interwebs. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. Will you? Oh. <laughs> little, little injection. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm all pro. I'm pro. Pro what? Pro Russia. Are you? <laughs> Probably you shouldn't communist? say that. <laughs> this is news to me. I didn't know that that you were a big Putin fan. I'm pro anyone who 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 downloads our podcast. Oh, I see. You don't care whatever. Yeah. Nation. Uh, no. You just you just want people to download. Yes. Okay. Is that All bad? Right. You don't is even want bad? them to listen. You just want them to download. No, no, it'd be nice if they listened. Would it? Yes. Get some get some feedback, you know. Oh, do you want feedback? No, well, only if it's good. 
Oh, you just want good feedback. Yeah, you're going to give me bad feedback. I mean, who, who needs that? I don't need it. No, so you? So, so you want pro-Russian good mm-hmm. feedback, is what you're saying. <laughs> Pro, it's very niche, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is kind of, to be honest. <laughs> I can't help feeling you've maneuvered me into something, though, that I don't particularly <laughs> want to be in. But, okay. <laughs> Do you think, Do <laughs> yes. you think that's what I was doing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Call me. Nigel arrives at Eyes and tells them about the Russian spy ship that has come into port for repairs. Oh, you'd like this ship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jenny says she knows that she's already done a recce on it. Nigel says, who asked you to do that? We thought you'd be pleased, responds Prue. I am, but I wish you could wait for instructions. We're big girls, says Prue. Yes, but you're paid by the home office, and those that pay the piper get to call the tune there's a good line it's a good line and we're also learning something that we're learning who they work for and we're also learning that they don't always follow the rules it's interesting as well that i did i never um i didn't remember that that they were such a a, a, i always thought that cat science was just a either a, 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 a police drama or it was a private detective drama. I never, I never put together. It was a, it was a an, an espionage kind of deal as well. So they fooled you with their cover story. Obviously, yes. Which which they drop in the next year, oh, two series. Well, okay. as I said, I can only judge from this episode. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're not allowed minds of our own. Uh, you can use your minds to solve your bread and butter cases, but on official business, you do as you're told says Nigel. Mm-hmm. Prue points out that maybe they should just forget all about this official business as the agency is doing all right on its own. Would you like us to take all that fancy equipment away? So we also learned that all the surveillance equipment that they have is paid by the home office because yeah. there's just silence to that. So they're kind of doing... Um, st- they're basically a government agency, but they do everyday private detective cases as a cover yes exactly Mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah nigel sensing a victory asks what information they have discovered about the trawler jenny tells him that it's the best she's seen all the fancy nosy perker tools on show the kind of thing we all know about and uh, a lot we don't Mm -hmm. nigel tells him that the ship the star of lenin is the most sophisticated ship the soviets have put into the water and we cut to the port on board this Russian ship and we see the Russian diplomat from earlier who was stopped in the Porsche yeah. and he's sitting with a sailor on the ship and the sailor is drinking heavily. <laughs> this, this, this guy is the most Russian Russian I've ever seen in my life. His name is Andrei Adreyevich and he's drinking vodka and he's drunk and he's very, very Russian. Are you Russian? <laughs> My name's not Andrei Adreyevich. That's true, but could we get your cover story? Because we've all already established you're pro-Russia, pro-Putin. <laughs> Hold on a minute. I never said I was pro-Putin. Uh, yeah, you drink a lot. I just have got nothing against Russians. Right, right, right. I'm going to think you're a Russian spy. Have you seen the series The Americans? <laughs> Are you a sleeper agent? I mean, you're doing a seriously large amount of sleeping. <laughs> 
what what would be my uh, what would be my word that 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 uh, activates me? Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously it didn't work, so it's not taken. No, it's not no, taken. No, it didn't. Right? Yeah. yeah. No. All right. <laughs> Uh, so this sailor's annoyed and says he didn't ask to be a spy. Yeah. The diplomat snatches the drink bottle away from the sailor. You wouldn't put up with that, would you? I mean, your bottle snatched away. Not if I was an angry Russian, no. Which we've established you are. <laughs> Back at eyes, Nigel is telling that one of them has to have to take a better look at the ship. He has brought a device, a computerized passive sensor. It's about the size of a stuffed piece of luggage. <laughs> it's not very portable, is it? Oh, no, not at all. But I, I do, I like this bit because you know what the device is called? Yes. And it, and it's... The MacGuffin. The MacGuffin. The MacGuffin project. Yeah. And you know what a MacGuffin I is? I do indeed. Do you want to explain it? It was a word that Hitchcock created for a plot point that served no purpose other than to move the story forward. So in um, some of his films, it would be like the wine bottle with the message in, mm -hmm. or it would be the code word. It would be just to drive the story, but it wasn't actually the point of the story. And it becomes very funny in this episode later when they, they keep saying lines like, we need, to get, we, need, we need to locate the MacGuffin, we need to find the MacGuffin, we need to get back the MacGuffin. It's totally done on purpose. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's clearly like Feely just went. Yeah, this makes this just no, this is pointless. We'll just call it the MacGuffin. It, I mean, it, the 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 device is a MacGuffin, so let's just call it a MacGuffin. Yeah. 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 It's great. Outside the headquarters, Nigel activates the device and analyzes all the electronic hardware the Eyes team have. Now we kind of make a. A detour at this point that we're kind of like hmm what's going on because we cut mm -hmm. to a man telling his wife that he'll be back in a couple of days and that his secretary will know where to find him and as he drives away his wife retorts i bet she will and we don't met any of these characters at this point no no so we're like who's this geezer it, it is nice how it all fits together later though yes yeah mm-hmm out on the road, he picks up his mobile phone, dials while driving. Especially holding that brick. <laughs> yeah, it's giant, isn't it? <laughs> you can kill someone with that. Yeah, you could, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's G5 for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, cutting that out. <laughs> People <laughs> will believe it. Be burning witches. I know. He announces himself as Howard Lewis. And says he wants to work something out. We don't know who he's talking to or who this guy is at this point. Mm -hmm. Back at the eyes, the team return and Nigel says, let's see what the device has found. And they head to the computer room. Nigel says that he wants Jenny to apply the device, the MacGuffin project, underwater to the Russian spy ship. This was a surprise for me. I wasn't expecting some sort of like James Bond underwater stuff that we get in a minute. Well, this is the thing. The show um, later went into more of this espionage, terrorism stuff. It's kind of like the professionals' direction yeah. that it went in. Mm -hmm. But this mm -hmm. wasn't 
always the same for the first series. Right, okay. Howard arrives at work and asks Sandra, a woman at the office, to have all his calls put through to the car phone. Although it's you know a case you, you, phone rather than a car phone. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, and he also he, he doesn't have to have it in the car. It's in his briefcase. Carries it around with him. You yeah. you know that this Mr. Lewis has sexually harassed every woman in that office, don't you? Oh, bloody hope so. <laughs> Spoken like a true 1980s man there. Yeah, yeah, nice. I thought I'd go for that kind of yes. response. Retrospection, yeah. retrospection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In reality, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be like, yeah, that's disgusting. Of course. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's disgusting. And then I'll edit that bit in. She asks, what about Ms. Huggins? Same system, he replies. Then he asks her to send Miss Huggins in. Miss Huggins enters. And there's a lot of hugging going on. There is, yes. This is what I mean about it. It, it, At times it gets all very British sex comedy-ish, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You expect Frankie out to pop up at some point. Yeah, exactly. Especially um, when we get to the scenes in the hotel in a bit. But this is the only time in the pilot we really see that. We don't see it in any other episode. And it only appears here because it's the only way they can do the ending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it is an odd... Like, there's too much of it, really, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they're having an affair. Mm-hmm. Back at night, Nigel is demonstrating how to use the device. It has an explosive self-destruct with a 30-second delay. We cut to the dock at night. Jenny is in scuba gear and enters the water, carrying the device. Quite frankly, you'd sink with this device. You would be huge. Yeah, it's, she has to carry it like a briefcase, right? Because it has a strap that she puts over her shoulder. Yeah, yeah. It's not small in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Within the ship, a camera picks her up approaching, and they contact the bridge. As Jenny gets closer, a light comes on. Then other divers appear. They chase her. She fights with them, but they overpower her. And they kill her and take the device. She was a bit irritating. Why was she irritating, Paul? I know that she's of design that she's going to die quite early on in the script. So that's probably why she's not as well fleshed out as the other characters. But mm. she, she all she is is just um, the gung ho cocky one. That's all she is. You, there's no, there's never anything beneath it, if you know what I mean. Okay. So she kind of feels, uh, you know, it, it, you don't really care when she dies because she, there's nothing there for you to care about. Right. I mean. You only cur because you're told to cur by the other characters that cur. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, no, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't, personally don't feel a connection to the character, but only no. through the other character's connection to her. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And case in point, the next morning, Fred and Prue are called to identify Jenny's body. And the man showing them in is wearing a Navy uniform, and he says, we know her too. So... We kind of get that Jenny 
as previous with the Navy. So we also learned that this cat's eyes team is connected to military as well as police and government. Which kind of makes sense when she has to go undercover as something later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they return to the office and find Maggie Farbs waiting for him. So finally, we meet Maggie Farbs. Yeah, finally she's arrived. Yeah. yeah. I don't. It's kind of weird that they waited so long to introduce her. Yeah, especially actually, it's not weird. I get it because the other characters have no background whatsoever. They have no backstory. You don't know who they are, but she has backstory. So you don't need to bother that much. I think there's that as well as the fact that I think dragging her, dragging out her appearance for an audience keeps you watching. Right, right. You know, you know that yeah. she's going to be in this, and and you watched her previous show, and you want to see this character again, so you're going to stay, aren't you, until she shows up at least. That makes sense. Yeah. Mikey says, "Hello, I'm the new girl." Where have you two been? Shopping? She's got my sense of tact and understanding when it comes to work. So we've learnt. Yes. 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 (laughs) We won't discuss that, but yeah. No, no, no. So we cut to a commercial break and we return and we see Maggie's apologising for her abrupt manner. She hadn't been told about Jenny's murder. Maggie begins to say to Fred about how she has lost people she loved, but Fred cuts her off. Save me the number one police bereavement sermon. Maggie says she can't keep saying sorry all day. If you feel better, get off your backside and find out who murdered her. Fred yells back that Maggie is not at Seven Dials now, which is the area that she worked in the gentle touch. Maggie says at Seven Dials, we didn't sit around bawling our eyes out. Have forensics been called in? Have witness statements been taken? What are you, a bunch of amateurs? So it's a very aggressive opening. And we get like Fred doesn't like her. Yeah, she's a a solid character, obviously, because she's got this backstory as well. But she comes across as very strong and authoritative. Mm -hmm. But I I, I also felt that the power suit thing was a... A little bit over-egging. But it's the first day at the job. So you... And it's the 80s. Yeah, Simple su- Shepherd wore a power suit every day to work in moonlighting. I suppose it just... It's the 80s, Paul. It just seemed a bit... Uh, it didn't need it. She She's strong enough without it, I, I, I felt. Also, was she wearing that in the gentle touch at that point? the end of the gentle touch was that what people were wearing i don't know because it was a know. You, you... like you like a uniform type of thing mm-hmm. you know i don't know that i don't know I, I've got I, couldn't, I couldn't speak for that i can only see what i'm only commenting on what i see in this and it just felt uh, uh, i i just felt like I, d- I didn't need that it was it was like they were trying to push the point and and the writing mm-hmm. was doing it anyway so it didn't need it yeah in kind of, in some ways, it kind of shortchanged the character. I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the one that plays Prue. Yeah. She's uh, got a Star Trek connection. She did a lot of American stuff. Yeah, she's in. You remember the episode of TNG where they, uh, these Irish, 
um, band of travellers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she fancies yes. Riker, doesn't she? Yeah, she yeah. That's, that's her. Yeah. I have a feeling that's why she left this as she went to LA because she's in Magnum, an episode of Magnum right, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think she just like guest starred in a lot of American stuff at the time. So we cut to Nigel playing snooker with Giles from Buffy. Yes, it's Anthony Head looking very, very young. I think this is pre-Nescafe yeah. fame as well, isn't it? Yes, probably. I was actually going to say Giles from Nescafe, just to mix up some genres. Yes. Yeah. Nigel tells him that the Russian trawler lifted something of theirs last night, and we discover it's about to leave. Nigel says, I'd like to, the trawler to stay a little longer. I'll see what I can do, replies Giles. Mm-hmm. Not really know what his actual name is in the show. Mm-hmm. We'll call him Giles. Yeah. And then Giles asks if he'd seen Jennifer lately, which is referring to Jenny Mm -hmm. Wren, which I'm assuming Nigel knows she's been killed at this Mm -hmm. point because he doesn't reply. He just takes a shot at the table Mm -hmm. and it fades out. We cut to Maggie looking across the river. Prue approaches. Prue says she doesn't know who briefed Maggie, but it's clear that she doesn't have the slightest conception of what is happening. Maggie says all she was told was it was classified, dangerous, and we learn that Maggie's son has left for Australia. Convenient. Yeah, we don't have to bother with that, yeah. shite, don't we? Get it out of the way. No, that, that story's mm-hmm. done. Maggie went through some refresher courses, firing range, advanced driving, self-defense. She thought it was something to do with Special Branch, but Prue tells us it's nothing to do with the police, although they do sometimes work with them what is it then she asks and we cut to Howard and Mrs Huggins entering a stately home now the music at this point is almost like something from the equaliser <laughs> it is a bit plinkety plonky isn't it yeah they're shown to the room mm-hmm. they go straight to their bedroom and start undressing he's not wasting any time is he he's getting right down to it oh yeah and they roll around the bed although she's undressing he doesn't appear to be the phone rings, and it turns out to be the one in his case, and it's his wife. As he tries to talk to her, Ms. Huggins piles on him, and he pretends to be in the car. His seat falls over, and he yells out that he'll call her later. Why does he, why, why does he put on his coat and try to button up his erection when he's talking to his wife on the phone? Don't you? Let's see how you answer this one. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just leaving it there. I'm just gonna ride for I'm it. I'm just gonna ride it. No, right. I'm just gonna ride it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you gonna ride I'm it? Gonna ride Are it? you? Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah, you've ridden a few erections <laughs> in your time. <laughs> it's a good job we're playing characters. The thing is, like, it, eh? why, why does she leap on him? Why is she make you more trouble than it's worth? She d- Unless I guess, mate. Oh. Maybe she wants the wife to know, and then he'll leave her and be with her. That that would be the the genuine story reason, but I think the real reason is just that we're going for a bit of a a saucy British sex comedy vibe in these bits. This is the stereotype of those kind of it, it is it is scenes right it is, yeah. but again, 
I will I will comment on this later. There's a lot you commenting later. Do we have time for all yes. this commenting? Yes, no, this is all the same comment. It's all related all right. to the same thing. Okay. Prue, Maggie and Fred are in their car. Prue's explained the setup. Since we joined the EEC, remember that part? I do, yes. Good old days. Pro-European? I mean, you will be if you're pro-Russian, right? Is pro-Russian being pro-European or is that a different thing? Well, they are in Europe. Pro-Putin, pro-Russian, pro-European. I don't think that's the same. It's not. You're, you're conflicted with your ideologies. <laughs> Story of my life, Colin. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, she says, the Thames Estuary and the Medway towns and parts have become the crossroads of European crime, espionage and terrorism. But not just European, the Russians as well. Mm-hmm. But that's down to the police, says Maggie. And he said, we've nothing to do with them. Prue replies that they are more to do with the exotic end of the market, covert activities, temp section, cats. All women because it was suggested that they weren't getting their share of the fun. Now, people expected them to fall flat on their faces, but they didn't, and they're here to stay. At least for two more seasons. <laughs> All except Jenny, says Fred. Back at Howard's dirty weekend, the phone rings. It's his wife again. He starts telling her that he's had to deal with a diversion. Meanwhile, he's in bed, and his mistress is all over him. Yeah, we get that weird sheet over the top giggling and laughing kind of thing that you you see in a lot of this kind of stuff. Yeah, which goes back to what I said. It's like if he's on his phone with his wife, you'd be quiet, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I was also thinking of, I mean, I don't... Uh, have you ever had kind of these kind of moments where I don't know about you, but <laughs> do, you, do you spend a lot of time under a sheet giggling and laughing when you're, uh, you know, at it? No, on my own, yes. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say, well, one of you is laughing at the other. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your partner is laughing at you. No, I was, I was, I was talking about you. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, it don't yeah. work, does it now? They're no. stomped all over it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Ruined it for you. <laughs> Can't do anything with that, can you? Feel silly. I didn't even Small. write that. I didn't write what? What? I didn't write that one down. That just came to me. Did you? This is a, like a random funny. Yes. Yes. I was just oh. going with it. You know, going with the vibe. Yeah. You know. It's nice. You should do that more often. <laughs> We cut to London, somewhere in Parliament. Maggie, Fred and Prue have been called by Nigel to him, so the Russians won't see them meeting. Nigel says, I'm going to say this only once, and mean what I say, and then never say it again. I'm sorry about Jenny. You're sorry, retorts Fred, but Prue stops her. He welcomes Maggie, he reveals that they were set up, but some information was recorded by the device and sent to the eyes computer before Jenny was taken out. And Fred gets angry about that phrase, taken mm-hmm. out. But Prue just tells her to shut up. The device showed that there was nothing on the ship that he had not known about for years. But of course, they've now lost the device, the MacGuffin, and it's vital that they retrieve it. Nigel continues to say that the KGB agent involved is called Anatol 
Ramanov from the Russian embassy. Maggie asks why hasn't the ship beat it back to Russia. Nigel reveals that he has an old friend at the Admiralty who has got it knotted up in red tape. The moment when he says he's sorry about Jenny is the, is the moment that I was talking about that I, I felt was the one moment in the whole episode where Nigel's facade drops and he becomes genuine. You're suggesting that the cocky, like... It's a front that he's probably learned to use over the years. Yeah, I think that makes mm -hmm. sense to me, yeah. Nigel says that the KGB agent is not on the ship, but staying at the Drake, famous for its bar. Do you know it? <laughs> Oddly, there are a few bars that I haven't been to. Really? Yeah. Oh, those poor out-of-work bars. <laughs> I'm working on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. They have to get the MacGuffin back, and if they can't do it their way, then the SAS will have to do it in theirs. He has no suggestions for them. They're on their own. Good. That's the way we like it, says Fred. You wouldn't get dialogue like this today, would you? I don't think. Dropping dropping terminology and things in like like they do without the explanation. They don't explain what these things mean. You know, he's a six, he's a ten, he's a nine, or whatever. All the, all these numbers right. and stuff. And so you think that if he's yeah. You know, said it, that the SAS, they would be like, if you don't do it your way, then the Special Earth Service, which are the uh, part of the army, that would, yeah. you know, they they would explain it. They'd explain who they were. They wouldn't just drop it in. Yeah, I guess so. I'm trying to think, like, 85? The, when was the Iranian embassy? 82? Yeah, and we'd had Hudo's wins at that point. Yeah, right. So it was... Yeah, but still... Yeah, they don't explain. That's that goes back to all the shows that we watch, like The Professionals and Carlton. They don't really spend a lot of time explaining no, stuff like they, that. No, they just they they, they just, just assume, assume you'll you know go with it. it. Yeah, or you'll just go yeah. with it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. We cut back to Howard. Oh, uh, surprisingly, he's still at it. He's in the bath now, isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah. His wife calls again. Now, why didn't Howard? call his wife while the bath was filling up so that he could then have the evening to himself I think that says more about your uh, devious ways than it does about the character Colin you think so? yeah you've obviously thought this through if ever you were in this situation I'm just saying that it would make more sense he's like oh she's calling again yes just it call would. her yes yeah yeah. So, so you would call your wife if you were in this situation and say like, "Oh, everything's fine. It was a good journey. I'm finally back. Nice to talk to you. I'll talk to you in the morning and hang up, wouldn't you? That's what you'd say to your wife if you was in this situation. If I was this character in this situation, yes, that is what I would say. If you was this character, but what about you? I wouldn't get. I wouldn't be in this situation, so it wouldn't be relevant. Oh, okay. All right. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. Everybody involved. Wake up earlier to catch me out like that, sunshine. Yeah, but not much earlier. <laughs> Just a few minutes, I'm sure. <laughs> Just before the alarm goes off. 
Yeah, I think, you know. <laughs> if I hadn't done the facial expressions, I think you'd have fallen mm. into it. Possibly. We'll, we'll yeah. never know. We'll never know. <laughs> no, we won't. Till next time. He makes more excuses and hangs up on her. His wife slams the phone down. She knows something's up. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, she knew something was up at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, right. Back at ISHQ, Fred and Maggie are arguing again. Mm-hmm. Fred wants to be the one that does the job. Maggie says she shouldn't because she's too emotionally involved. Fred doesn't want to hear it, especially from somebody who has, you know, just turned up like 20 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Any ideas, says Maggie, turning to Prue. Prue says... Yes, Mrs. Forbes, I believe I do. We cut to a BMW arriving at Eyes. Inside, Maggie and Prue are watching the lady get out of the car. Prue says she looks like trade, and that's the term they use for a client of the detective agency. Prue says Maggie should handle it, as she can't help on their other matter, and she is ex-fuzz. People expect a copper. And it turns out that the client is Howard's wife. So finally, the two plot lines are pulling together. Mm-hmm. Maggie greets her. What's your name and what's your problem? She says her name is Bella, but she's not sure about the problem. She tells Maggie that her husband can be reached all the time and he's always in his car. That she has a feeling about him. Something is going on. She thinks it's his secretary. She she's the one female character in this that I think is badly written. Oh, you think so? Yeah. But don't you like the fact that it's not the it's the opposite of what you expect. She she's like she's not like, "Oh, my husband's always away and I can never reach you." She's suspicious because he's always available. I suppose, but, but she's don't st- you think, she, think that's interesting? Yeah, but she's still kind of played like she's a bit dumb, isn't she? Well, she's not dumb because she knows from the very beginning that he's having an affair with the secretary. She's just finally decided to get the evidence to prove it. I suppose. It, I, she knows all the way through that he's up to something. She's just calling to try and get him to, like, admit it at some point, and, f- and he doesn't. So she finally goes to a detective agency. Maybe it's the way it's played. I think she put. All right. <clears throat> it just seemed like the, the 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 one female role that didn't ring true. I don't think. So Maggie um, calls in a favor and asks for a number to be checked. Mm-hmm. She's told five minutes, and I shall also point out that later in various seasons, some of the people from the Gentle Touch do appear in Cat's Eyes. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah, just occasionally bits mm-hmm. to do with Maggie Farbs. Uh, Prue wheels Fred in. Fred is wearing a navy uniform. Yeah. You like that, did you? Um, do I like Leslie Ash in a navy uniform? Yes, it's a fair question. So, it's a fair question. It's. I think she looks very good in a navy uniform. So do I. And excellent out of it. <laughs> you got experience with that, have you? Of Leslie Ash out of a navy uniform. Yes. yes, I've seen her in other clothing. Very good. Other than a navy uniform. Yes. Cracking save there, Colin. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> <did that>. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie says she looks good. Mm-hmm. 
But what about when she opens her mouth? The Wren officers are all Earl Grey and Sugar Tongues, aren't they? Frey gets annoyed and says she can sound the pert. We cut to the KGB agent Anatoly having tea with Nigel. Anatoly tells him that he has no right to hold the trawler. Nigel agrees but says it's the officials at the Admiralty. You know how they love their paperwork. There's there's a hell of a lot of tea drinking in this, isn't there? It's British. Of course there's tea drinking. <laughs> also, it's this goes back to other shows like Callan where the enemy and the good guy are talking to each other across the table having tea. Yeah. Anatoly says you need to do what you can to stop this evolving into an incident. Uh, that we must avoid, says Nigel, at all costs. Anatoly gets up to leave, but Nigel asks him if the Porsche is still running well. Excellent, replies Anatoly. That could come back later to bite him. Could be, mm-hmm. yeah. Back at eyes. Maggie's annoyed that she has to pretend to be a chambermaid to get evidence of adultery for their client. Prue asks her if this adulterous man is a civil servant because the hotel is a favourite of civil servants who want a naughty weekend. But he's not, he's just a businessman. Maggie wants to help Fred, but Fred says she doesn't need help. This one is down to her. So we cut to the Drakes. It's a busy pub. Anatoly is there. Fred, dressed in a naval uniform. And we get a nice use of One Nine Bangkok by Murray Head in this. From the musical chess. Yes. Was at the time probably heavily promoted on the two Ronnies, I would imagine. Why are the two Ronnies? Oh, oh they, all, like... they, all, they always had uh, uh, either Elaine Page or the other one on there, didn't they? Singing stuff from chess. Really? Yeah. It was, a, it was a weekly thing. Very weak. Yeah. It's like when they needed to fill space. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Meanwhile, at the hotel, Maggie is just about to get started as a chambermaid. We, mm. Now, this, this, for the next like few minutes, we quickly switch between Fred and Maggie. So it mm-hmm. gets a little... It's confusing to describe, but it's okay watching it, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we quickly switch back to Fred. Anatoly asks if you may sit down with her. I can't help notice that something is bothering you. It is now, she replies. I like that line. You've heard that a few times, right? I have no idea what you're talking about. Now we see the other man watching. Let me freshen your drink, he says, and perhaps I can later buy you some dinner. I buy my own dinner. At least the Navy provides enough for that. Now, she's given the attitude of somebody not happy working with the Navy. Yes. Yeah, that's going to be her cover, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We cut back to Maggie getting her chambermaid's uniform. Mmm. Oh, hold on. <laughs> that that uh, guttural mmm said a thousand things. All I'll say is Jill Gascoigne in a maid outfit works for me that's all, all right. i'll say that's all okay. i'm going to say on the matter nothing more nothing less that's all i'm going to say back at the drakes fred reveals that she works with electronics anatoly is interested but fred says she can't reveal anything now back at the hotel maggie finds out which room howard is staying at we're back at the drakes anatoly returns with a drink for fred and 
this guy who's been watching us suddenly turns up and he's like, Darling, I'm sorry I'm late, I, I blew a tire. And clearly Fred is confused by who this mm-hmm. guy is because she's never mm-hmm. met him. Anatoly, thinking that there's something going on here, like it's a husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend or something, he leaves. So Black Catman sits and, uh, in hushed tones, introduces himself to Fred. His name is Henry Purvis. He's some sort of government employee. He works for Six, right? Yeah. And he warns her that Romanoff is a Soviet agent. I get, I get a very sort of Rowan Atkinson, never say never again vibe from this guy. I can see that. Oh, Johnny Dangerous. Yeah. Is it Johnny Dangerous? What's it called? Is it Johnny Dangerous? Johnny English. Johnny English, yeah. Thinks he knows what he's doing, he, but... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fred just rubs her head in it. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Dangerous. It's a condom with an explosive <laughs> device. It's a good line. Sorry. I'm going to work that in. Yeah. yeah. No, don't work it in. Blow oh. up. So Fred, Fred rubs her head in exasperation. Her head, not his head. Yeah, I, I have to say that I think Leslie Ash is really good in this pilot. She is, and uh, especially in these bits because she's playing, she's playing one thing, but she's being something else. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. In the first series, I think her character gets short changed a lot, and then. It's much better in the later series. Oh well, I'll have to I'll have to check that out then. Back at the cat's office, everyone is lamenting the blown opportunity with Romanoff. Fred is nursing a hangover, and Forbes is complaining at all the housework she's having to do, posing as a maid. Yeah, I mean, I guess she has to like keep up the image of actually being a maid. Yeah, but as a character, it's not her thing, is it? No, not no. at all. No, oh, she plays hookers. She does. That's what she, she says. Does. Prue tells Nigel that it'd be a shit job, though, right? Like, if you're a, if you're an agent, secret agent, or you're a police officer, and you're going undercover, and your undercover is dusting. <laughs> that's like a a lame undercover job, right? What did you do today? When you go home, if you go home to I don't do undercover agents actually go home to the real wives I don't know or real husbands depending on I guess when the when gender. they're no longer on a on a job oh, they orientation yeah yeah like, what do you do a uh, lot of lot of lot of lot of dusting you know, well cleaning y- you could did some toilets you could also say that that from what you've just said that. It, it is a bit of a come down for her from, from the gentle touch to all she gets to do in this episode is li- later is just jump out, go boo and take a picture. That is true, yeah. Prue tells Nigel that Henry needs to be called off. Nigel says it won't be easy, but he'll try. Nigel's boss talks to Six's boss and gets him, well, tries to ask him to call off Henry, but he's reluctant. Meanwhile, back in the bar, Nigel's asking James to keep the trawler anchored for a little while longer. James says it's going to be difficult, but Nigel gives him a line about why he's so good at squash. It's it's his backhand reverse, apparently, whatever that means. 
Yeah, he says he's going to teach him it, right? What's that got to do with what they're talking about, though? I didn't get oh, he's, that. He's like, you know, I'll I'll teach you how to do this if you do this for me. Squash is, is that... squash is important in the eighties, pal. Yeah, apparently so. Lots of people died playing squash, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, lots of people heart attacks during squash. Heart attacks, though. So they yeah, could have had those so. anywhere, though, not just specifically I, squash. I would imagine the squash didn't help. <laughs> at the harbour, the Russians are frustrated at not being able to leave the port. Um, they've been blocked in by another craft, apparently. Yeah, ships come in and block their exit. Mm-hmm. Hate when that happens. What? Getting your exit blocked? <sighs> yeah. It's not fun. You have to get pills. I was going to say, you can get things that you can, you know, up there, you know, for that. Why would that help if it's already blocked? Why would pushing something else up there help? Try it. No, it's okay. <laughs> Oddly enough, I don't take my medical advice from you. For some reason, that just doesn't seem like a good idea. It's probably for the best, actually. I think so. Yeah. The captain angrily confronts Romanoff. I just realised something. If you became a doctor, you'd be Dr. Wood. I would. It doesn't sound right, does it? That sounds like Dr. A, Wood. a porno doctor. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dr. Wood. Wood what? Wood anything. Be a bit like Bendo. Like, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like a stage name. Hmm. Is it your real that. name? Maybe what, it's Dr. a stage Wood? name you've been going with for like years. If it is, I've kept it up for a long time. That's not what your wife says. <laughs> but I bet, I bet your real name is a Russian name. And this, this wood nonsense is just like your uh, Anglo covert operations name that you've chosen. If it is, I couldn't tell you. Obviously. Oh, that's true. You don't, you'd have to kill me, right? Well, if I did tell you, I'd be a very poor Russian agent, wouldn't I? I don't know. You've kept it quiet for 30 years. So if you did tell somebody now, would that be... Would that be poor or would that be good? It would probably be frowned upon. I guess, it, although your control is probably dead a long time ago by now. Because the control is going to be older. This is true. This is true. But uh, then again, who's to say that this isn't all a ruse and you're my, you're not my control? Oh, that's true. I could be, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I just got to say, like, the special word. I tried to think what that would be. It's your round. <laughs> uh, activated. Straight out of that door. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to backfire on you, that. I tell you. Oh, I, I don't like a backfire. The captain angrily confronts Romanoff, who oddly doesn't seem phased. He's hoping that another night will mean that he can... Have another crack at Fred, I think. I prefer a better expression, but yes, you're right. I, I'll put it in a way that he's probably, you know, that's that's yes. the way that he, yeah. That's the yes, because Russians are known for using the word crack. Crack. I mean, as far as I know, you would know, I wouldn't. I'm going to do a Russian accent there, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, um, I thought about doing one earlier and then, then decided against it. Yeah, so it's probably best. We don't do accents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point. Then he launches into an angry Russian soliloquy, doesn't he? Where he 
He has such a thick accent, I couldn't understand a bloody word he said. Oh, really? Yeah. Oddly. Oh. I, I really, I genuinely couldn't understand what he was saying in this scene. Back at the hotel, Howard is recovering from his prolonged debauchery when his secretary complains about the shower being too hot. But he's not shelling out more money for this. And they have a bit of a, an argument. He jumps on the phone to the to the hotel. And um, they have a bit of a makeup yep. session, don't they? Did they? Kissy kissy. Kissy kissy. Nigel meets Prue at the door. Oh, she, she says she has a scalding back and, and shows it in the mirror and there's absolutely nothing there. Do you think she's just angling for a better room? I don't know what she's angling for, but it's clearly no scalding going, Al. It, it's probably more a case of the fact that they just didn't want to spend the time making up her bag. Nigel meets Prue at the dock and tells her time is running out and she's going to have to make her move. They see Romanoff drive off and Prue fits false license plate. Now, I didn't quite understand this bit either, so you might have to help me with this. Okay. All right, I'll hold your hand. Okay, thank you. She fits, Prue fits false license plates to her car uh, because I, I assume Romanoff knows the number, the license plate. Right, so Romanoff is going to see Nigel talking to a woman. And he's gonna follow the woman and get the license plate, mm -hmm. see what she looks like, her description, mm -hmm. and pass it on to the Russian authorities. Right, okay. So if she changes her license plate to one that's fake, he's gonna get a license plate that doesn't lead anywhere. Right. Also, he's gonna describe her as a blonde yeah. when she's not, so the description won't match. I get that. Okay. Uh, that makes sense to me now. I didn't get that at the time. So Prue throws on a, a blonde wig. You know, I like you blonde, Nigel tells her. Nigel, you'd like a sheepskin rug if it were blonde. Is she saying that he'd shag a rug? If it was blonde? Yeah. Yes. Okay, all right. Just clarifying, I wasn't too sure whether that's what they were going for. But Oh, like you've never been with a rug before. We're not talking about me. No, but you describe it as if it was something that is unbelievable for a man to even contemplate when I've known you and fabrics before. A car chase ensues with Romanoff chasing Prue through back streets, and it's a really well-shot car chase. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. At least until a large pallet of empty cardboard boxes is wheeled out into the road for no reason at all. And Romanoff hits it and comes to a stop with a huge dent in the front of his Porsche. Um, From those full and heavy cardboard boxes. Mm, okay. That are being distributed by the docks to countries fair and wide. Who stacks a pallet of boxes that high? A worker who knows that he's paid by the box. Paid by the box, that makes sense, yes. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. Paid by the box, that was your nickname at school, wasn't it? It was, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was on my posters. That's what I thought. When I used to f fight big baggy pants. I wonder where you were going with that one. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'm going to sit back for this. <laughs> okay, all right. He was a good fighter. He just used to punch long. In the butt? Yeah, all the time. Luckily, I wore two. Really? But only with a spirit level. <laughs> I don't know. I can see how straight I was standing. <laughs> Romanoff lights a cigar. 
He gets on his radio and asks Natasha to upgrade the level of enemy female operatives by a factor of five. And then he stops himself and says, make that a factor of 7.5. Yeah, then he laughs. And then he laughs. Because it... I kind of like that. It, 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 it's kind of to show that he's, you know, he's a misogynistic piece of shit, basically. Let's see that. Howard and his lady friend are moved to a new suite while the shower is being fixed. And it looks like it's round two for them as he starts to remove his tie as we cut away. They don't waste any time, do they? They get straight into that room and he's right on the job straight away. And that's all they've been doing. He must... Like, at some point, I'd be, I want a cup of tea. Or a sandwich. Oh, I'd love a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Cheese. Pickle. Cheese and pickle. <laughs> Is that his name for her? She calls him Loaf. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nigel's superior is telling him that the Soviet secretary has been complaining about the boat being blocked in. Nigel plays dumb. And his superior would prefer not to know what's going on at all. Nigel reminds him about the tape machine hidden in his drawer. And the minister needs his help to erase the conversation. Richard Nixon has a lot to answer for, he says. Then Sir Thomas calls in his secretary, telling her that this star of Lenin business is about to boil over. And then he proceeds to sleazily ask her to book the two of us into the usual place for the weekend so they're all at it oh yeah apparently yeah mm. do you remember those days no no, no you don't back at the hotel no. Forbes is getting into a maid's uniform calm down I don't when, know if you're saying it it's the look in your f- I, 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 I said I would not go back to it and I, I'm not going to I don't know, it's just that the look in your eyes was the kind of look I've seen you when you face with a cheesecake. It's not, it's not pretty. When the head porter tries to, he tries to hit on her, and he, he, he talks about he wants a cut of something as well. Yeah, he don't, I'm not sure he hits on her, he just has this thing where he takes a certain percentage of everything yeah. that the maids earn for some reason. But she stamps on his foot and tosses him into a bin. Yeah. I like that bit. It was good. Yeah, she takes no nonsense from nobody. Nigel is meeting Romanoff at his office, amused at the sight of the dented Porsche outside the window. Yeah, you would be, right? Yeah, of course. Especially as he said it was his pride and joy, didn't he? Yeah. Romanoff is less than amused and gives Nigel vague threats unless the boat is allowed to leave. So... Sir Thomas and his secretary check into the same hotel as the other two lovebirds are in. What are the odds? It is a huge coincidence, obviously. But at least the writer planted the seed earlier in the episode. Explain. When Maggie gives the location of the hotel, the name, Mm -hmm. to Prue, Prue says, Oh, is he a civil servant? And Maggie says, no, he's just a businessman. And Prue says, oh, that's a haunt for civil servants who like to have dirty weekends. Right, okay. So they've actually indicated the ending right there. 
And I suppose that makes sense with the fact that the secretary on the desk in the hotel seems to be knowledgeable about what's going on with all these people, doesn't she? Yeah, it's a common thing yeah. that's going on. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, that makes sense. Kind of stretches it a little bit later when, when we get to uh, something that happens with Fred and Romanoff, don't you think? We'll talk about. Right, we'll to, talk about. Yeah, yeah, you'll have to tell me. Okay. Yeah. At the pub, Fred is posing as the Wren again, as Romanoff sides up with another drink. They have a bit of small talk, and he tries to charm her with an offer of help. It's very helpful, this Russian. He's trying to be. Fred pumps yeah. him for a bit of info. She leaves, and is followed out by Henry, lurking in his flat cap again. Fred goes back to HQ and complains to Prue that Henry is shadowing her. Prue says that she'll take care of it. Meanwhile, Romanoff is having a drink. No, he's not. He's having a drive. <laughs> that again. <laughs> he could be doing both. It is the 80s. It is. Meanwhile, Romanoff is having a drive, singing, Are You Lonesome Tonight? What was this scene all about? Because it, it's just in there. He was ironically singing, are you lonesome tonight? No, I'm not going to be because I'm going to get Fred. So he's chuffed with himself and he's, he's yeah. Yes, he's, very, he's reveling very in it. Yeah, chuffed. Okay. At the hotel, Forbes is listening at the hotel room door. Uh, and then, there's a lot of fast cutting between this, isn't there? Which again, as you said before, makes sense when you, when you watch it. But it's complicated yeah. to describe it. Yeah. Later that night, Fred, in full Wren uniform again, meets up with Romanoff for another drink. Uh, and she can really put it away, can't she? I'm sorry, She what? can really put it away. She likes a drink, Fred. Oh, yeah, Fred, Fred does, yeah. yeah. Henry is once again lurking when a woman walks in dressed in dark glasses, trench coat, and fedora. She, she, she looks like a caricature of a spy. At the hotel, Forbes sneaks into the hotel room and catches the lovebirds at it, taking a picture and then rushing out there. Unfortunately, she's got the wrong couple because they switched rooms. Yeah, they she's did. actually taken a picture of Sir Thomas and his secretary. Uh oh. This might come into play in a comedy ending, perhaps later in the episode. Mm -hmm. Maybe. She sees the real couple going into their room and realises her mistake. Back at the pub, Prue sits down next to Henry, posing as a East German. Yep. Fred continues talking to Romanoff, complaining about being passed over for promotion and how she's pretty much disgusted by her whole career at this point. I know that feeling. <laughs> You're empathising there, were you? Oh, yeah. At the hotel, Forbes sneaks into the right room this time, and she manages to get a snap of the correct couple. She does yep. the whole, Hur! and then takes a picture. What does she do? She goes, Hur! like that. Oh. At the pub, Fred is still complaining, getting more and more drunk. Romanoff asks if she wants to talk more over dinner. Oh, yeah! it's always dinner. Always dinner. At the same time, Henry is getting more and more intrigued by Prue's dodgy German routine. Yeah, because he, he keeps 
pointing out inaccuracies in her story. Is she doing that on purpose, do you think? Yes, to keep him I think she is, because she wants to be arrested by him and taken away so that he'll spend more time with her. So yes, I think she's more intelligent yeah. than what she's playing in this part. If it wasn't that, it wouldn't make any sense, would it? Because she's no. she's such a, 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 a together character. Yes. Fred suggests that they now move on, and Henry suddenly realises that Fred and Romanoff have gone. Back at the hotel, Howard rushes downstairs in his PJs to make a complaint. Henry has taken Prue back to his office, where a rather butch-looking female operative is standing guard. Did you notice her? Yeah. She's... So there's Prue, this guard, and then yeah, she Howard. She she's she's very um she's very um. It's interesting to see where you go with this. Austere, isn't she? Austere. Yeah. Interesting word. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Henry wants to know where Romanoff and Fred are, and he starts to threaten Prue. Just to say, this guy playing Henry, I'd like to think it's 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 the way that he's been directed, but he's bloody awful. Yeah, he's the worst. It's the worst actor yeah. in the whole episode. It's the worst performance in, in the show. Basically. Yeah. I mean, I assume his notes were like. Oh, you're supposed to be this hooray Henry who's doesn't know what he's talking about. It's very posh, yeah. and so he's gone with that and decided to magnify it by a thousand. It 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 just feels like a very false performance, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not yeah. great. Fortunately, it's only a few. Minutes. Yeah, we get rid of him in a moment. So Henry's still operating on the assumption that Prue's German, gives her a rundown of what he thinks her story is until suddenly. Back in her very British tones, Prue does the exact same thing back to him, putting him exactly in his place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she uh, switches out of a German accent. Yeah. yeah. This is the moment where I said earlier that I, I felt I was getting very Emma Peel-type vibes from her. Fred and Romanoff are having dinner, and she's still going on about how short-changed she feels about her job. And this is where I, I, I felt that Okay, so the, the two the two illicit couples have gone to the same hotel at the same time, but now Fred has taken Romanoff to the same hotel as well for dinner. So everything's coming back to this one hotel. Is it the same hotel? It is, yes. Because Romanoff feeds her a line about how Russia is a bastion of equality, and how he has a ship in the harbour, practically crewed by women, if she's interested in taking a look. Ru you know why it's the same hotel? Mm -hmm. Because they're all there for the same reason. What? Except for Howard. But the minister and his secretary are in that area because they're also involved in the Russian trawler incident. That's why they're okay. there. So that's why they've chosen that hotel. So it's only... The Russian's there because he's close to the Russian trawler, so he has to be there. Fred is there because of the Russian. The only coincidence is the Howard. Okay, so it's... And his secretary. It's one-third of a coincidence, then, is what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Romanov thinks that he's in at this point. Fred goes to find Forbes, who is doing her maidly duties in the hotel. 
and she tells her to tell Prue to be at the anchor buoy by midnight. She tells her not to not to call her. Yeah, you used to be called the anchor boy. I, 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 oh wait, it wasn't anchor, was it? Sorry. <laughs> All these many names that I didn't know I had. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, she tells her also not to call her, but to speak to her personally as well. Right. The porter once again harasses Forbes, but she brushes him off and she heads out in her car. Prue is leaving Henry, finding Nigel waiting outside. He tells her to head back to that to the office. Romanoff manhandles the drunken Fred up the gangplank. Hey, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what, what was that for? Know. Up the gangplank. And... You want you want to manhandle a guy called Fred <laughs> up the gangplank? But it's something to do, isn't it? Um, it is. Keeps you off the streets and on the dark. Romanoff manhandles the drunken Fred up the gangplank, introducing her to the crew. He then wants to show her the MacGuffin, thinking that in her so-called official capacity, she might know something about how it works. This felt like a bit of a stretch. That she would know. Well, she already said that she knows about electronics. Yeah, but would he really do that? No. He wouldn't, would he? He'd just get it back so. to Russia as quickly no. as possible, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah, there's probably... And then and then ask her to look at it back yeah. in Russia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back at the office, Nigel talks to Forbes and Prue, via video link, he tells them that he can't hold the ship any longer, but they need a bit more time. Fred is still on board. On the ship, Fred is taken to the MacGuffin. She performs a two-handed Vulcan nerve pinch on the crewman. That's what it looked like to me. That's yeah. not what it she was. She grabs him by the neck with both oh, hands and squeezes. She bundles it into a bag and she makes for an escape. Romanoff tells Andreevich the good news that they've been given permission to leave. Romanoff is overjoyed at not only having the MacGuffin, but also Fred in tow. And he gets all shouty in Russian again at this point. And again, I, yes, I, I didn't I understand a not, word of it. You're pretending to I not understand I, I, it. I, yes, quote-unquote, didn't yeah. understand it. This is your cover, right? Fred is sneaking yeah. around the ship, trying to get off the ship, as guards are patrolling. She kicks a female crewman, then beats up Romanoff and makes it onto the deck where a crane is lowered. Were they waiting for her then? Because this crane just comes out of nowhere. The, either this was part of the mm -hmm. plan and we didn't know about it, or they were lowering the crane in case she ran out. Yeah, no, it's, not it's a good. stretch. Yeah. It's a coincidence. She grabs hold and is lifted off the ship onto a small boat, manned by Forbes. Uh, you? Well, someone had to get you off the hook, replies Forbes. Very Bond. Yeah, but also suggests that this wasn't a plan. So they were, they were just winging it, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they speed away in the boat. Romanoff and the Russians jump into their cars, trying to head them off. I presume they're trying to get round... To the other side of the of the dock, aren't they? Yeah, mm -hmm. to block their exit. But the way is blocked by Romanoff, and Fred says to just let's just give up. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. She says. And they get out, and she hands him the bag. Jumping back into the car, Prue, Fred, and Forbes get out of there as fast as they can. 
Romanoff gets into his car in triumph. He lights the cigar. Suddenly the car explodes into a fireball. Back in the car, Fred tearfully whispers, That's for Jenny. So she activated the um, failsafe um, emergency detonation thing on the MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah, the self-destruct. That's what I was looking for, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, also, we get the moment when Maggie lets Fred make a decision and doesn't argue with her. That's true, yes. Yes. So there's kind of an understanding. There's an evolution of the relationship. Yeah, a little bit of respect going on there. Yeah. Finally, yeah. So we finish with Nigel and his superior berating the gang for the incident in the hotel. He wants Forbes off the team, but Fred and Prue stand up for her. There's respect there now, as you said. Yep. Yep. In fact, it's Fred that stands up for her more than Prue, isn't it? Yes, it Mm -hmm. is. The team is now ready to tackle whatever comes. And that's the end of Cat's Eyes. Yeah. So, Colin, what did you think of Cat's Eyes, as if I need to ask? Well... Is that it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm done. Thank you for listening to Retrospection. <laughs> um, I liked it. I it was a solid pilot. I liked mm-hmm. the characters. So I still don't understand why they made Jill Gascoigne's character spin off from the gentle touch because Maggie Forbes has no connection with that series. At least it feels that way. Mm-hmm. And there's an odd 70s sex comedy theme running throughout this episode mm-hmm. but that's pretty much all the negatives I can think of because all the actors work really well together and I like all the main characters I think the story is interesting and it's fun and I think Don Warrington is excellent yeah. in his role mm-hmm. and it's certainly a series like if I watched this pilot I would certainly go okay I need to watch this series now yeah, yeah. I love Leslie Ash. I love Jill Gascoigne. Um, it's kind of a mix of comedy. It reminds me of. It's a bit. It's more towards the the later end of the professionals or Dempsey and Makepeace than say like the Sweeney or the early professionals yeah, I can see that. side yeah. where it mixes the lighter comedy. Mm-hmm. And so I really in, enjoy this show. So is it a hit? Yeah, it's three times a hit. Because it's three times a lady. Oh, smooth, smooth, Colin. <laughs> um, well, for me, it, it it screams 1980s, probably more than any other TV show of that era that we've covered so far in retrospection. I don't know whether it's the music, the credits, or the clothes, but it just screams 1980s. It does suffer a bit also from that low budget look that a lot of British TV shows had back then um, mm. they all kind of looked a bit threadbare these kind of shows didn't they although if you compared it to the gentle touch which is very studio I was just about to say some more than others but as far as and we haven't really touched on it really but as far as gender politics goes it, I mean it was way ahead of its time Charlie's Angels have been before this, but for British TV... Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
with the possible exception of Nigel, all the men are written as ineffectual morons, aren't they? I mean, they're kind of sleazy and middle-aged, you know, Lotharios, old wide boys on the take, while all the female characters are strong, they're all knowing, and they feel like real characters. They've got personalities. They're real personalities. Yeah, and the men underestimate the women. Exactly, yeah. And this is what I was going back to about the secretaries. All the, even the secretaries seem more real than the men that are using them. But are they using them? Because the secretaries are getting something. They're, they're, they're using the men, I think, the way it's Oh, written. okay. All right. Yeah. You know? I see what your point um, is. The, the, the men feel like caricatures, whereas the secretaries don't. Right, okay, they're using them for an agenda. Yeah, so it's very clever writing in that respect, I think. Right. Which has, could be argued as to that is the, that whole 70s sex comedy vibe. They're kind of turning it on its head, or as we've discussed in the past, that whole thing that, that, that the women were exploited and the men were the ones that were in control was never really a thing. It was... It, even in those sex comedies, the women seem to be the ones that are always in control, like in carry-on movies. Yeah. Um, but that's an argument for another time. And to be honest, it's those three characters of Forbes, Fred and Prue that sold it for me. They work really right. well together. They feel like real people. Um, in a story that in itself felt pretty average... And, right. and at times I thought it was a bit dull the story but the characters pull you through it I think this is one of the things we've discovered in the past with certain TV shows and I would argue that Stasky and Hutch Miami Vice fall into that category is that you can get a weak story but it's the actors and the characters that carry it through definitely Definitely, and this this completely falls into that, I think. Uh, so yeah, I, I had a really good time with Cat's Eyes. I thought it, I thought it was had some great funny lines, had a really good car chase. Um, yeah, I I have to say it, it's a hit for me as well. I really enjoyed there we it. Go. And, I, right. and I and I'm I'm going to watch some more. I think. So you should. Mhm. So what are we doing next time, Paul? Well, next time, we are going to delve into the realm of horror. And we're going with the Amicus classic, From Beyond the Grave. Oh, that's interesting. I, I've never seen this film before. I know. It's a, a, a kind of a portmanteau of uh, different chilling stories. Well, if chills and frills are not your thing... Then you can suggest a film or TV show by emailing us at retrospection at email.com. You can also follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at Retrospecky and on Instagram at Retrospection Podcast, all one word. And please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen because that really does help. You can also hear the themes and songs from the films and shows we review at our Spotify playlist. And finally, if you'd like to support our old episodes, and help new ones coming along, then you can lower our server costs by supporting us via patreon.com slash retrospection. 
Thank you to our current Patreon supporters who make sure another month goes by that Paul doesn't have to get that second job as a Marmite taster because this podcast is like Marmite. You either love it or you hate it and occasionally it's sticky. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.